I'm Dr. Fiona Lovely, and this is the Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast. I'm taking the taboos of menopause and perimenopause and bringing light to the dark. No bullshit, no shame. It's time for us to gain a new paradigm in female health, out with the old and in with the new, and I'm bringing fresh perspectives from someone in the arena. I've been practicing women's health for nearly 20 years, and I'm spilling the tea and what it means to live at midlife, knowing that the best is yet to come. I'm sharing my Gen X approach to living through this transition, sassy, a bit sweary, and always honest. Tactical tips and instantly usable information is my aim. I hope to make you laugh and that you learn something new that helps you embrace the change. Together, we bring power to the Perry. Onward to the podcast. Dr. Fiona Lovely here. This is the Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. And I am just thrilled by the rising awareness of the menopause transition and the symptoms we can experience during this time. Have you seen the uptick in media? I'm I'm loving it. I've literally waited 20 years as a women's health practitioner specializing in menopause transition and perimenopause to see this happening. I couldn't be more thrilled for all of us and for the ones that will come after us because tides are shifting. I love it. Anyways, today, episode number 92, I'm thrilled to do an interview for you. Uh, Recently, I spoke with Dr. Meg Mill uh, on the topic of headaches, which is a very, very common symptom for women of any age, really. But it's one of those weird symptoms that can show up at midlife, even if you've never suffered before. So I would like to take a moment to introduce my guest. Dr. Meg Mill is a functional medicine practitioner, best-selling author, podcast host, and speaker. In her virtual functional medicine practice, she works with patients worldwide in order to heal the root cause of their health struggles through advanced diagnostic testing and personalized support. With two decades of clinical experience in conventional and functional medicine, she can help people improve their health naturally while still understanding and respecting conventional practice protocols. She's been seen on Fox News Channel, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, and in Reader's Digest Health Magazine, and has appeared on many podcasts and now on the Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast. In her podcast, A Little Bit Healthier, she discusses simple things you can add to your life every day to live a healthier, more fulfilled life. Meg is particularly passionate about helping people end headaches and migraines, increase energy and restore mental clarity without drugs or overwhelming protocols with her own proven EAT method. You can find out more about Dr. Meg at her website, headachefreedom.com. So before we get to the interview, I'd like to just take a moment to hear from our sponsor for this episode, Athletic Greens AG1. I would like to acknowledge our sponsor, Athletic Greens, which is now called AG1. 
This is a vitamin, mineral, and probiotic greens drink. It helps me boost my energy and gives me the nutrients I need in case I don't get what I want and need in my diet for the day. It tastes great and it has mushrooms and digestive enzymes and adaptogens for adrenal health. I take it once a day. It's truly an all-in-one supplement. If you would like to try AG, please visit athleticgreens.com slash Fiona Lovely, and they'll send you a year's supply of liquid vitamin D3 with K2 and five free travel packs, which come in mighty handy for getting your AG on the go. Thanks, Athletic Greens, for sponsoring the Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast. Dr. Fiona Lovely here of the Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Dr. Meg Mill. She is a fellow functional medicine practitioner, and she's joining us on the podcast today to talk about headaches, which I'm pretty excited to talk about this topic. So welcome, Dr. Meg. Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, what brought you to having an expertise in treatment of headaches? Well, so I actually started back, I'm going to go way back. So (laughs) I was back in the conventional side of medicine for years, and I just kept seeing people really getting put on more and more medications, and they were really just surviving. They weren't thriving. They weren't getting better. And I was also having some of my own health issues that I really wasn't getting the answers that I felt like I wanted or deserved. And so I started seeking out other possibilities. And that's what brought me over to the functional medicine space. So I started to learn learn about functional medicine, about what it is. I started working on myself as my, my, as my first patient. And then I felt so much better. It was such a huge change that I went back and actually worked on certifications and functional medicine and really totally switched careers. Um, and I opened a functional medicine practice. And then when it, within that, I see people for all different reasons, for all sorts of, of different health reasons. But I noticed a pattern of the same thing. So um, I work with women all over the world because I have a virtual practice and they were coming to me and they were either coming. It was interesting, two different things I saw. So they were either coming with headaches and migraines that they were coming for, or they were coming for something totally different but I do an intake questionnaire and a symptom questionnaire before we start. And they would in those questionnaires fill out, oh, I've had headaches weekly for my whole life, or I've had headaches as long as I can remember. Or, I get a migraine every a few times a month. And it was so normal for them that they weren't even considering that a health issue because they'd just been told, oh, this is something you have to live with. Oh, this is just part of your life. And then we would work together and they would start to say, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I never expected that I could wake up and not ever think about having a headache. It's, it's really life-changing. And I thought, wow, we need to really change the conversation here because so many people are just being told that this is like, okay, you just take medicine, you just band-aid the pain. Well, you're really just covering the pain. You're not ever getting to the root of why you're having the headache. So you're not ever resolving them. You're just treating it as it comes. And so when we really flip it around and find all the connections in your body and the reasons that you're actually having the headaches, we can start to see this really dramatic decrease in both incidence and severity. Oh, so interesting. Uh, You know, isn't it fascinating that we're actually starting to pull back the curtain on the normalization of a lot of things that women experience on a daily or certainly monthly basis? 
Absolutely. I mean, it is, it, it, we just are felt, we're told, we're told like, oh, this is just normal. Or, you know, you were talking about headaches. You can be talking about like menstrual cramps. We can be talking about gut issues. We can, you know, really use that in a lot of places, but we are, we're just told, okay, you have to suffer and no one should have to suffer. And it's really life-changing when you get to the bottom of some of these things and people realize, wow, I can live my life without this pain. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, we could certainly go down the rabbit hole talking about menstrual cramps or the normalization of the menopause transition. Now we want to see it being normalized in terms of looking at the symptoms and saying there are things we can do to make your life better rather than normalizing the discomforts that a woman goes through. Absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned that there are things that can um, cause headaches for, uh, I know we haven't been specific to women, but, but to be honest, it's, it's primarily women that suffer from headaches and migraines too. Mostly. Yes. Most often it is more predominantly women. So what we want to do is we want to start looking at the basis. So when you're listening to this, if you're someone who actually has headaches or migraines, and this is something that you're suffering from on a regular basis, you want to start to look at your life and you want to really start to put some of these connections together. So one of the things that I actually have people do right away is you can, that you can, everyone can do this at home is print out a blank calendar. And if you have a headache or a migraine, you want to write down all the things that are happening in your life at that time. So you want to say like what you ate the day, that day and the day before, and I'll explain why we do the day before you want to, you know, is this in a menopause transition? Did they get worse at that point of your life? Is it, where is it? If you're still menstruating, where is it in your menstrual cycle? You know, did you not sleep as much? Were you dehydrated? Did you have a stressful week or day? And so starting to put some of those connections, because it's often very surprising that even just that like little step of digging in and looking for the connections can start to show some triggers. So for example, even one, one person I was working with, you know, was like, I can't believe that lemons are an issue. Cause we know that statistically in studies, we know that salicylates can be an issue for some people, which are, uh, which are in citrus foods, but you're not thinking of a citrus fruit necessarily as triggering your headache. And so once you start to look at these, you can start to, to pull them out. So that's where we start to work on connection. So one of the things is food. So you often, like I'm mentioning with the lemons and the salicylates, they can be foods that are healthy for you. And I think that's what can be very confusing because they're not all these foods that you feel like, oh, I shouldn't eat that food. They can be things that are actually good and nutritious, but they can be triggering your headache. Um, so we look sometimes at things that have, I mentioned salicylates, things that have tyramine in them. So think of those as like aged and cured foods. Uh, we want to look at things that have nitrates, which would be those like bacon, hot dogs, things like that. Um, histamine containing foods, because often people that get regular headaches have a problem breaking down histamine. So we can get a histamine overload. So sometimes those foods can be a problem. And then some of the regular ones you might think of like aspartame, MSG, some of those foods, and even caffeine, while caffeine can sometimes help people feel better from headaches that can also, you can also get rebound headaches from caffeine. So you start to make some of these connections. And then we have those that groups of foods that we know about, but then we also want to look at food sensitivity. So these are individual to each person. And when you're getting that immune response from a food sensitivity, you can also get the trigger from the headache and migraine. And, and those can linger. So you can see symptoms like four to 48 hours after you eat the food. And sometimes they're non-specific, like it could be that you got a rash or a 
eczema or you got a headache or you had bloating or you, you know, some of them are harder to figure out what you're actually having that food reaction. Okay. Well, and it's interesting too, because the food allergy versus food sensitivity, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. And I have a podcast that we're, we're actually, that you're going to be a guest on called a little bit healthier. And episode three in that is actually do a whole episode because I think on that. So that's a deeper dive because I think it is very confusing. Um, I actually have children with food allergies and people would say, oh, I have a food allergy too. You know, maybe like, oh, I get an upset stomach when you eat. And I was like, no, that's actually not a food allergy. That's a food sensitivity. Food allergies are like threatening. So there's different antibodies involved. So a food allergy is gonna be an IgE antibody reaction. And when you have a food allergy, you are gonna get hives. You're gonna get the shortness of breath. You're in, you know, encouraged to carry an EpiPen. You definitely want to completely cut that food out of your life, you know, your food for life because you have this allergy to it. Now, a food sensitivity is a little bit different. That's an IgG antibody reaction. And these are often foods that you're eating on a regular basis that due to dysbiosis or something going on in your gut, you start to get what we call intestinal permeability or leaky gut. And when that happens, you're getting some of these particles that are going through the gut lining and your body's actually reacting to that food, thinking it's an invader, it's an immune system reaction that happens, and then you're getting the, these antibodies. So those actually, if we heal the gut, if we heal your gut lining, we pull the food sensitivity out, we can actually heal that and then you can reintroduce. So what we try to do is take those foods out for 90 days. The half-life of the IgG antibody has a 23, is a 23-day half-life. So then after 23 days, we think, about half of those would be gone. And then another 23 days, another half, and then another three, 23 days, another. So by 90, we're hoping to have those all cleared out so that you can try to reintroduce that food without a problem. Yeah, that's the best explanation I've ever heard of the, of the 90 day sort of food elimination diet, because people, I mean, you say the word diet and, and it just changes people's face. So I should have not put it in there, <laughs> but it's, I've not heard it said like that. And I, I think that's a beautiful way to frame it because I think it's really easy. I know for me as a practitioner, I often struggle in explaining to patients that this isn't just a diet because that's what we've been trained is that, you know, you take these foods out and you'll lose weight, right? So you just think it's a very linear like that, but it's just not. There's so many factions or factors to it, things that you really have to pay attention to. So I love that explanation of, of the immunoglobulins. Thank, globulins. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. No, it's good. I agree. Cause it is when you're, when you're asking someone to take a food out that they enjoy oh, yeah. for that long of a time, you know, it's one thing to say they don't oh, try like it for it. a week and you're like, okay, <laughs> I can do it for a week, but for 90 days is, is a commitment. So yes. <laughs> there is purpose behind us asking you to do that. But, and what's yeah. really great is that then when you do it, you, I see so many people then that actually choose you see once your body calms down and you actually reintroduce that food you'll know if you're reacting to it again so then you're making the choice if the, that you're not eating it because you want to because you feel better not because someone like a practitioner is saying oh you know what this is something you should try that's it's such such a powerful way to do it because if you have the experience of taking something out feeling much better and then reintroducing it you go oh yeah okay so eating wheat really does make me feel like crap i'm just going to choose not to do that so it, it's a beautiful way to look at it thank you for explaining it that way yeah. and because we're talking about the immune system i'd love to talk about toxins molds these kinds of things and their effects on headaches and migraines please 
Yeah, so we do need to look at your environment. So we're looking at, you know, mold can be one of those things that, you know, we're, we're looking at layers. So we're going to look at, you know, you could take your environmental layers and you can look at your allergens. You can look at things and, and clean that up. Sometimes though, if you do have mold in your house, you definitely can be getting headaches and migraines from that. So that's something that we can test and see, and you can do testing to find out if you have mold toxicity, but there's things you can do every day just to clean up the environment. So one of the things, you know, we want to think about all, everything that's in our environment. Unfortunately, there is a toxic component that we don't want to think about that exists to a lot of the things that we're surrounded by these days. And so just really doing things to clean that up, to open your windows, you know, maybe once a week and let air flow through your house. But I also really like having an air filter in your bedroom. I know it's hard to necessarily have them all through your house, but sometimes when you have that air filter, just filtering out the extra air, the extra, you know, toxins and histamine, like the allergens and all of those things um, in the bedroom, at least, because we spend half our time in there. So just getting something like that in your room to be able to clean out the air. So we also look at heavy metals. Um, you can have headaches and headaches from heavy metal toxicity, particularly ones like lead and cadmium. And so we want to maybe sometimes evaluate, okay. And you know what, this is another interesting thing because I, the people that are listening are mostly women in, you know, an age where bone density is changing. And with lead toxicity, sometimes the exposure that happens at an early age doesn't actually show until later in life when our bone density changes. So we ha can have this exposure that we were having holding on to in our bones because lead can be stored in the bones. And then we're having changes in our bone density and our health is changing and we're getting some of these symptoms. So really that's another area that we can look into. Now, I, I do testing in order to see, you know, do, do you have mold toxicity? Do you have heavy, heavy metal toxicity? So I know that, you, you know, you can get that from practitioners, but you can also take some of these steps right away to just clean up your environment in general. Oh, so interesting. So if you find that there are environmental toxins, I imagine you're probably going to encourage your patients, your clients to do a detoxification. Uh, is that an important factor when it comes to uh, headaches and migraines, maybe not just for mold or other things like that? Yeah, we do. You know, the one thing is that about the detox is just making sure that you're doing it from a place of strength. So I do work on detox, but I always, that's not usually the first thing we do because we need to make sure that you're doing that from a place that you're in really have a good foundation like that, you know, if you're constipated, let's say, and you're not having a bowel movement every day, and then we're pushing toxins, you could actually <laughs> feel worse. <laughs> so that's, it is interesting. Cause I think that detox has become more popular more people are talking about it. More people are realizing like, okay, we need to detox. And I'll see people come in like that have tried different toxic detoxes or even different cleanses. Like I even people have done like, oh, I did a parasite cleanse because I thought I could have a parasite. Well, if you don't know if you have a parasite, then you know that might not be benefiting you. So there's different times to do it. So when we're detoxing, that can be an important factor. It's just, you want to make sure that you're doing it from a really solid place. Detoxifying from a place of strength. I love that. Mm -hmm. You need a t-shirt that says that. Yeah. I said, yeah, we should make them. <laughs> Yes, that's a good one. <laughs> well, and this is so often true is you see people sort of uh, uh, Dr. Google things and go, okay, well, you know, here's something I can purchase. Let's go ahead and try it. But, you know, the system is complex and you always have to be operating in a way that you're not 
causing additional stress to the system. Uh, you know, one of the things I talk about is, is intermittent fasting. But if you are going through a deeply stressful time in your life, that is not the time to do fasting. Just absolutely is not. So you, you always have to think about it. This is why it's so important to work with a practitioner that knows how they're what they're talking about, that knows how to do these things. Seek out your functional medicine practitioners. Ask your friends who they have seen in your local neighborhood. And uh, that's the networking is a really good, great way to get that done. But absolutely super important to, to actually work at it from a place of of strength. I love I love that. That's so good. So um, you mentioned hormones as well. Hormones can cause headaches. So that's a pretty common thing. And we, as women, we are pretty aware, those of us that, that have headache problems, we're pretty aware that at certain times of our cycle, we might be prone to a migraine, et cetera. But I'd love to have you talk about that, please. Yeah, so the two most common reasons we see hormone, uh, hormonal migraines happen are estrogen dominance or a rapid change in hormones. And so, and that's sometimes why through perimetopause, you can have them get so much worse because we're actually in, in the perimetopause cycle, we're seeing that drop in progesterone often before we're seeing the drop in estrogen, leaving a lot of women estrogen dominant. So we want to really look at the balance. So you, you, know, you talk about how hormones, hormones are all about balance. We need to make sure that they're all balanced with each other. And so we need to make sure that your estrogen and progesterone are in a good place and balance with each other for you to have all of the symptoms that you feel better throughout the different transitions in your life and in your cycle, but also for headaches and migraines. And sometimes whenever we have the the estrogen go up, we also can, it can also release other inflammatory mediators that can, you know, trigger the pain more. We also have the connection I mentioned before. Another thing is when you're estrogen dominant, we also have a connection with histamine. And so there's, there's a cyclical thing that happens with estrogen and histamine that both can make each other rise and histamine also can perpetuate headaches. So we're seeing it in all sorts of different connections, but what we need to do is really got, you know, I would do hormone testing to make sure that you're really metabolizing the estrogen. One thing I see, I do a test um, called the Dutch test whenever I measure, um, test hormones. And I do this particularly with people that I work with, with headaches, because another issue is metabolism of estrogen. So what I often will see is even if your estradiol is fine, if you're not seeing a high level, you can actually have high metabolites that are causing some of the problems. So when we talk about estrogen, we want to think about using it and then losing it. We want to have enough estrogen for the effects, but we also need to be able to clear it. And sometimes I see a common trend where people don't necessarily have high overall levels of estrogen, but they have trouble clearing the estrogen metabolites, which can have more strong effects. So they're really feeling those effects of estrogen dominance. Oh yeah. So interesting. So there are supplements uh, that you can use to help clear the, the estrogen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we can use something called dim is a good one to clear the estrogen. Now I'm going to really put out a, a butt here. <laughs> Don't just go out and buy dim because <laughs> that can drop your overall estrogen load. And so unless you have a, a test showing what's going on, you actually can be making yourself too low in estrogen by just taking a supplement without what's, what's going on. But you know what you can do 
is eat cruciferous vegetables because they have compounds in them that help do the same thing. So you can eat things like broccoli and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts and cabbage. Those are all great for estrogen metabolism. And then you can also look to decrease your overall exposure to endocrine disruptors and xenoestrogens that are outside the body. So even going back to the toxins and you know talking about the endocrine disruptors, sometimes I tell people just to switch one product at a time because it can feel very overwhelming and very expensive to think, oh no, I have to switch you know, to all natural makeup and shampoo and things in my kitchen and all of that. But if you just pick one thing when you're done with it and just replace that with something that is better and replace that and replace that, then I think it makes it much more manageable and, and really reasonable in order to, to get some of these exposures down. Yeah. And at, and at perimenopause, I know that most a certain level of overwhelm with the changes in our bodies, not to mention managing life and, oh, let's throw, throw a pandemic on top of that yeah. and <laughs> aging parents cool. and kids leaving the nest, you know, yeah. all of that stuff. So yeah. I like that. That's a, that's a really good recommendation. And, and speaking of, of menopause, I have a question for you specifically about headaches at menopause. I've had a number of patients that have shown up with um, migraines that started after they stopped cycling. Interesting. Okay. That is interesting because like we said, they're mo so you wonder where, you know, then their their estrogen and progesterone are together still, even though they have such a low level of estrogen, if there needs to be a balance there with the actually amount of progesterone they have too, because that that's not tip that's not as typical, really. The pattern when we look at the higher estrogen is more typical. Now they that so it, it would be interesting to see that test, you know, the testing there to see where the where the balance is still. Yeah, I agree. And and in this case, I've uh I've got a few patients that are in their 70s, one woman in her 80s. And usually you don't see headaches and migraines at that point. Well, then I would say at her age, I would not, I would suspect it's not hormonal. It's yes. that it's something else. It's Talks one of these other things. Or, mm -hmm. yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Stress. I would, I would highly suspect that that doesn't have to do with, with her hormones at this point. Um, mm. But there could, you know, could be one of these other triggers. And, you know, like we talked about, sometimes there could be some new exposure that she hadn't been exposed to before, or she could, like we were saying, you know, have had a past exposure that's now showing up, you know, that our bone density is changing, that there could be lead to toxicity. I mean, it just could be a wide variety of things or diet changes or, or something, um, you know, even sleep. So there are studies showing that REM sleep associated with migraines. So, you know, as people's melatonin decrease as they age, sometimes sleep isn't as good. And so there's even, you know, we even look at those factors. So that's something like an easy tip. I always say the first two things you can do is is start to make sure you're staying hydrated because we want to make sure that we're getting enough hydration, particularly at a cellular level. So we don't want to drink all at once. We want to sip through the day. We want to make sure that those our cells are actually, you know, absorbing the hydration. And then we also want to make sure that we're getting prioritizing sleep because sleep and dehydration are actually also independent risk factors for headaches. So just those are simple free things you can do right now. <laughs> They're not not always easy to get enough sleep depending on what you have going on but it's important to see if you can prioritize it oh most most certainly and and of course that is one of the most common things we hear in our menopause practice is 
sleep is an issue. That's a very, very common thing for women. So how does stress affect the, the headache situation, please? Yes. I call this the chain of pain. I have all these, <laughs> have all these little sayings about it, but it, it, because you do, you get, so when you think of stress, so cortisol is our main stress hormone. And when you, you think of cortisol and stress, you think of like your to-do list, if you're busy, but we also have biological stress. So pain is actually an independent stress stressor. So you have the pain from the headaches, actually putting stress on your body, which is increasing your cortisol, which can increase other things. One of which is prolactin, which potentially could increase pain sensitivity sometimes. So it, you can get stuck in this chain of pain where your stress is increasing your pain, which is increasing your stress. And, and so what we need to do is really break that cycle. We need to be able to get your, your adrenals to heal. And so we want to do things that are relaxing. You want to really take a look at your life. You know, I feel like it's what stress is one of those things you talk about and it, it's hard because how do you, you know, how do you change such people say, well, I can't change, you know, my environment that I live in that's stressful, or I can't change my job, or I can't change some of the factors. But what you can do is really start to just get some of the practices in that help you keep bringing your body back into that parasympathetic nervous system. One of which is just simply deep breathing. So if you can actually just take a few minutes each day and sit and shut your eyes and take deep breaths and train your body to really calm down in that space, it can go a long way, but it's a little different for everyone what resonates with them. Absolutely. And we're sort of the the end product of my generation, your generation, and the ones, the younger ones less so. We're the end product of busyness equals uh, worth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so we equate the stress with busyness. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to disconnect those two things. And I, you said it from a really beautiful point of view, which is that we have to have the tools and the techniques to be able to calm the stress response. We can't necessarily get rid of the stressful situation, but what we can do is control how we respond to it. And that's the stuff that's just really rising right now. This is the whole vagus nerve exercises, the polyvagal theory, the somatic experience. These things are really, really important. And something I have taught regularly to my concussion patients in my office for many years. And it's interesting now to see them come to the service people want them it's not just something that you you take after uh, or you use after you've suffered a head injury it actually is applicable across the board and and it really certainly hypoxia or not enough oxygen can absolutely create a headache for a woman right guess what we do when we're stressed we hold our breath so the breath is a beautiful tool that you have just shared. And there's a, a lot of um, a lot of those techniques I have shared in the different podcast episodes. But I think something I want to say about this, I love all this information. It's so helpful because I think when you're in the middle of having these cascades of headaches, it's really hard to sort of, you know, swim through the information and discern what is the best uh, course of action because there's so many options. I mean, Headaches can have so many factors and not just one, there can be multiple factors and we've covered a great deal of them today. But I want people to remember 
that the simplest thing, there's a principle in nature called Occam's razor. You're familiar with this. The, the simplest explanation is often the answer. So always start with hydration and sleep. Are you getting enough? Are you, are you breathing enough? Are you aware if you're holding your breath? And by all means, your neck probably is somewhat involved in a headache for a lot of women. Please go see your physiotherapist, your chiropractor, your massage therapist, whoever your body therapist is, and make sure that that's not because that's really simple and easy. <laughs> it's way easier than the testing and all the other things you have to do. And, and for a lot of women, that's all it takes. Yes, definitely. Structure is another factor. That's a big one, isn't it? Okay, well, I love this conversation. We've covered so much ground. Dr. Meg, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, no, that, I just wanted to, you know, just have hope. So I think what I see often is that people are, when you're stuck in this place and you've been having this for your whole life and you're, you can't get out of it, you start, you start to feel hopeless, like there's no answers. Or to be honest, you're told by a trusting medical professional that this is just something you have to live with and there's no answer. So I want to change that conversation and let you know that there are answers and that and there are definitely things you can do about it. I love it. It's beautiful. Now you have a headache program that you'd like to tell people about. Yes, I do. It's called Headstrong and I run it a few times a year. It's a, it's a program that we specifically focus on headaches and migraines and have had seen huge success with women making these leaps. So um, I will, we can link that in. You go to happinessbeyondheadaches.com for that. And I actually also have a free guide just of places you can get started. So the, the link for that is helpmyheadaches.com. So Happiness Beyond Headaches is the program and Help My Headaches is the guide. So <laughs> either one of those you can get, you know, if you're looking for just tips today and if you'd like more information about the program, you can check it out um, to, to learn more. Excellent. Excellent. And where can people find you on social media, please? I'm over on Instagram at Dr. It's just Dr. Meg Mill. It's D-R-M-E-G-M-I-L-L. -L. And I also have a podcast called A Little Bit Healthier. So <laughs> I'm Lovely. either of those places. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you so much for the time today. I'm so grateful for this information for, for all the ladies out there that are, that are struggling with this. I know they're grateful too. So on behalf of the sisterhood, thanks for showing up and uh, sharing your information, your wisdom with us today. Thank you so much for having me. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Fiona Lovely are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. If you have or suspect that you have a medical problem, promptly contact your health care provider. No information offered here should be interpreted as a diagnosis of any disease, nor an attempt to treat or prevent or cure any disease or condition. As with any new advice or program, you should always contact your health care provider prior to starting anything new. Thank you.